1: Gentlemen, you are now entering the second print comics podcast, starring Mark and Rimso Martinez. What would the month of October be without a few additional ounces of horror? That's been the question we've been asking around here at the Second Print Comics Podcast. And once again we're gonna be delivering you another story down the haunting, horrifying, hellish realm of comics. I'm Ramsa W. Martinez. Your elated host here with the marvelous, mischievous, mighty. I'm trying to find something that's horrifying, but I don't think any any type of word really starts with that for M. Mr. Mark Claire.
2: Yeah, I used Merciless last week for the same reason it was the most. Merciless horrifying.
1: is more Halloweeny.
2: I guess murderous would be, a, would be
1: pretty good. That's more that's more of an accusation. Malicious, malicious, the malicious,
2: malignant, malevolent, malevolent. That's about as horrible. I didn't take the I
1: it. didn't take the SAT. So I never had to learn additional. I'm going
2: words. malignant. The malignant Mark Clare is here. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here as we continue over here on the second print, print, print comics podcast. Uh, it's so scary that I can barely even speak without stuttering. So
1: the that's, second print podcast. It sounded cooler in my head before I did that. Anyway, Mark, last last week we covered Hellboy, which was which was fun. But I feel like this is the story that. This isn't just one of my favorite horror stories. It's actually one of my favorite single issue story arcs, uh, because this was actually one of the first comics I ever read. If you could believe that, yeah, I I I started because
2: I don't take you to be a liar, but otherwise I would not believe it.
1: So let me, let me kind of tease it a little bit. Then we've got some uh, some housekeeping to do in order. But uh, today we're covering Ghost Rider from the 2006 Ghost Rider series. Uh, this came out right after Civil War. And Civil War is the story arc that brought me really into current Marvel continuity. I started collecting around that time uh, New Avengers and Spider-Man. And uh, I remember in theaters Ghost Rider was actually one of the best performing films at the box office. Now this is pre pre MCU. So we that we were happy. I well, I
2: had no idea it did. well. it, it,
1: it did very well. Nikki it, it very well. Cage. It it did very well. It it got it, it got enough to at least get a sequel, which is a uh, Spirit of Vengeance, which no one really remembers or wants to talk about. I didn't think it's as bad as people say. I did
2: not know that existed.
1: <laughs> it is, you know, it's not a I it's a good bad movie if I could put it that well,
2: way. I if there's one thing I'm a fan of, it's good bad movies and even bad bad movies.
1: Yeah, so th- this is similar
2: to my obsession with reading stories that piss me off.
0: Your hate uh, as reading.
2: We uh, as we yeah, as we discussed a bit in the second print comics fan zone, some people have been trying to talk me down from the ledge. Some of our our wonderful supporters, uh, because now I, I've gotten into. I mean, on the pandemic reading list episode, I went on a huge rant about Tom King's X Men, how horrible it is. That got um, real, real fast. It did. did. And uh, it became personal, you might say. Uh, But because we have this Marvel Unlimited app, you know, it's hard for me to resist just (laughs) diving in because it's there. I see all these X-Men issues popping up and I'm like, I'm thinking, well, I just got to see where he's going. Right. Let me just check it out. And talk about a horror show. This, this just gets more and more <laughs> horrific the more I read, especially as you did mention, this weird, never mentioned, but so, but it's there the whole time, uh, love triangle between Wolverine, Cyclops, and Jean Grey. They're living in the same place. Their room, Jean Grey's room is next to Wolverines and next to Cyclops's, and the whole thing is just so weird. And they never really even mention it, but it's there, and it's just, oh. I mean, that's a creep show right there. If,
1: they, if there was one comic... I could say describes 2020 in a nutshell. It's any, it's any X-Men title by Hickman. Anything of
2: X, house of X, powers of X, uh, swords of X, uh, blazing saddles of X. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's going to be creepy and scary.
1: Yeah, and I feel not not to get too much into. it. I feel like this specific Ghost Rider series. Get all the way
2: into it. Let's do the. Let's just change the entire format of this episode. Let's talk. Or about else I'm, not,
1: I'm I'm going to keep thinking about like the the X Men cuckolding if we don't stop. But <laughs> yeah, yeah th- this X
2: Men cuckolding. Oh god,
1: that's going to become a thing now. It's going to become a thing now. I shouldn't have done that. Anyway, this this series. X Men
2: cuckolding, folks. Let's do it.
1: Gosh damn it! Let's what have I start. done? What have I done? Um, this, this Ghost Rider series was one of the first comics I started collecting. It came out right after Civil War and it coincided with the Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider film, so of course I had to have it. Uh, Mark, before we get started, did you ever read Ghost Rider? I can. I've read the
2: occasional story that had Ghostwriter in it, but I can't say since I became a comics fan that I've ever regularly read the character. I've never really sat down and read multiple issues of the series at all. Uh, most of my familiarity, most of my familiarity with Ghostwriter has been through his appearances in the you know huge Marvel epic crossover type events. So I really have only seen him here or there. In fact, the most Ghostwriter I've read has probably been Cosmic ghost Rider, which is not even this Ghostwriter at all. It's a uh, Frank Castle meets you know, the silver surfer meets Ghost Rider. So
1: Yeah, and I mean I feel like Ghost Rider, he, he does not get the respect he deserves. Um for me, there there are two things I really love. I love horror and I love superheroes. So for him, he's always been one of my favorites. Just just off the bat. Uh, I, I went for one year for Halloween when I was in middle school actually as Ghost Rider. So it was head? With a flaming head, the flaming skull, and I, I got my, uh, my mountain bike, and I thought I was the coolest motherfucker riding around in that with the Ghost Rider costume. It was dorky and nerdy as hell, but I, I had a good time. And uh, photos
2: of that. That's what I want to know.
1: God, no. I got rid of those.
2: They don't exist anywhere. <laughs> they don't exist. Patreon patron bonus.
1: Oh, gosh. I I, I dressed up as the Joker one year. I I actually, like every year since I was like seven, I dressed up as a superhero. Some were worse than others. So maybe if somebody. Bonus post for our
2: patrons and our fans in the second print comics fan zone of a a, a collage of all of Remzo's Halloween costumes. You know
1: what? As you say it out loud, I realize there there, 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 there is a price to dignity. I don't think they could pay me for that. they can pay us for
2: other things on our Patreon over at patreon.com slash Second Print Pod, where you get early releases of every single episode of the show, as well as a bonus Remzo Rants, bonus reviews. We're going to be taking a look back at The Killing Joke pretty soon after the third episode of that one lands. Uh, I'll be hopping on there to give a review of the Maestro series that I've been reading as well. So do all sorts of bonus stuff for our patrons. And uh, the higher you get, the higher level you get, the higher your rewards are, uh, including uh, we've got a lot of people, actually, a lot of patrons here. At the the epic crossover level, twenty five bucks a month, uh, but every three months you get a graphic novel. So that's basically you know a hardcover graphic novel too, not you know one of those flimsy trade paperbacks. So you're basically just uh, you're buying yourself a graphic novel for one of those months uh, that we're going to choose for you. So that's been really fun. We've loved the response of our our fans getting those. Uh, no complaints yet. Everyone's liked liked what we picked.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I want to really give a shout out to everyone that helped us with our first ever giveaway. Mark, I, I know this is going to sound weird when I say that loud, but we've only been doing this since August.
2: Yeah, that's only, I guess we're only on our third month, technically, huh?
1: Well, it's a million years in the age of Corona. But, right. yeah, but I mean, so far, I mean, the, the support we've been able to get from everybody, not just on Patreon, but just, you know, members of the Second Print Comic uh, fan zone on Facebook. Uh, when we went ahead and did that X-Men giveaway, I was a little bit hesitant. Because I don't like failing. And I knew it would be successful. What if but I end like, up
2: with all these <laughs> X Men number one issues? Just they
1: were they were stacking up. We had we had fourteen copies of it. So I mean people people love free stuff and we were giving them great value for it. you either had to join us on Patreon or leave a review and people took advantage of that. And I wanna say thank you because the reviews that people threw on iTunes, the five star reviews there, they didn't feel like canned answers. Like these are actual people who listen and actually really enjoy, you know, the episodes. Absolutely.
2: And uh, yeah, we have as of now, we have only five star reviews. There are There's nothing less than five stars from, from our wonderful fans so far. So thank you to all of you who've been listening, supporting us and all those wonderful things. 35 star reviews. That's not too shabby, my friends. It's a not pretty, not pretty good freaking good. deal. Yep. So uh, and you can, of course, leave us a review. The best place to leave us. I'll just I'll just. Lay it straight with you. Apple Podcasts. I don't care where you listen. Stitcher, Spotify. We can use ratings and reviews and follows and subscribes and likes everywhere and everywhere. But the best place in terms of helping us actually grow the show is to leave us a five-star rating and a great review. That really helps out with the algorithms in uh, Apple Podcasts as well as so many other podcasters out there just pulled straight from Apple. So it really helps us in so many ways to take 30 seconds out of your day. Just leave us a few nice words. Five-star review. Boom. You just helped us without spending a dime and hardly any, any, any of your time.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it, it we 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 just broke double digits. I think this is episode 11 something. It I is, mean it's it is
2: indeed episode 11. Actually no, last episode was episode 11.
1: Oh, so episode 12. See folks, we we do it live. We figure it out on the spot. We're in the
2: matrix here. We're in the time matrix.
1: Yeah. Time so for us, I mean this year, yeah. You you know you know, you know it's already October. Unbelievable. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Anyway, on of the show. Uh, you know, th- as I mentioned earlier, this is one of the first series that I started reading and, and keeping up with as I got into current Marvel continuity in 2006. And, uh, you know, Ghost Rider is, pop- is more popular now than ever before. And I'm talking then because he-, he can't seem to keep a series alive. I think in the past 10 years, Ghost Rider has had four series and none of them could get past a dozen issues. So it, it really bothered me. And it can't. Uh, you know, I can't say that it's because of one thing or another. There, there have been some really popular ghostwriters. In fact, we had a new ghostwriter named Robbie Reyes. He was part of the all new Rider title. And it was good. It didn't really have much of the horror element. It was very supernatural. Then you have a few other uh, Ghost Rider titles before that, where they tried to gender switch Rider, and that that died really flat on its face. What people need to understand is, listen, Ghostwriter has a very committed group of readers, but when you don't get the tone right, the, I'm nothing else you can do will save it. And what I loved about this series specifically is that it had a writing team of uh, Daniel Way and Javier, what's his name? Javier Sal, uh, Salter is like, screwed up his name. Anyway, these guys actually know their shit. They know that Ghost Rider is a horror character. Therefore, he is best in a very dark and gritty horror element. And for Marvel, it's always been one of those things that they've been good at. They've also been very not good at it. But this was probably the last big Ghost Rider series that, one, did a lot for the canon, two, updated the character for uh, a newer audience, and three, really showed what can happen when you go for that full R rating. There there were not many hard, hard R, or as we would know as comic readers, very mature content reading comics coming out of Marvel past 2006. They had their Marvel Knights phase, which was their R-rated equivalent for characters such as uh, Punisher, Daredevil, uh, Spider-Man at one point too. But they began to really taper down because it wasn't doing as great. The critics loved it, but people weren't buying it. So for them to try and do this with Ghost Rider specifically, it was a, it was kind of a big move for them. And uh, just to kind of catch people up, Ghost Rider... Ha- There is not one Ghost Rider. As of right now, there are three. There's Johnny Blaze, who is the original. There's Danny Ketch, who's the one from the 90s. And then there's Robbie Reyes. The thing about... uh,
2: And they all exist simultaneously in current Marvel continuity?
1: Yes. So you have three people named Ghost Rider running around.
2: And plus the Cosmic Ghost Rider sometimes.
1: He he's he's in and out and all over the place. I wouldn't really say that he's a ghostwriter you have to worry about too much. But the thing about uh Ghost Rider specifically is that um he's he he how do I put it? He was not necessarily a successful character from, from the onset. Uh he he appeared early in the seventies and they tried to make him either a, a traditional superhero or they really tried to double down the horror element. He crossed over with a, uh, you know, son of Satan and folks like that with Blade over the years. But Ghost Rider uh, really not until 1992 1993 is going to be somebody that is necessarily a fan favorite. He had a series that went around for a while and they had Johnny Blaze who is the former uh, you know, circus stuntman sold his soul to the devil to save his adopted father, Crash Simpson. Uh, Crash ends up dying and the the devil takes Johnny Blaze's soul and he's bonded with a demon named Zarathos, and that's who makes him the Ghost Rider. And basically uh, Ghost Rider is trying to redeem himself, get his soul back from Mephisto to what they call the you – know, Mephi- and, and, and I mean I don't want to get too confused real fast but there are like many devils in in comics and it's really hard to figure out which is which so i'll i'll be i'll be trying to get really specific with them but for the purposes yeah, sake this came up and uh this came up last
2: episode actually when we were talking about hellboy that marvel introduced uh mephisto in one story as the biblical devil of sorts which sort of i guess makes it the devil at all times yeah and that, uh, and, that uh, and that
1: and that happened this year and it you know, I look back at this and I, I, I if I sound stumbled and unprepared, it's not because I wasn't prepared. It's because trying to explain it is a little bit confusing. Because why, Mark? Because because comics, because comics. it's like it, me trying to explain the uh, the Jonathan Hickman uh, 17 timelines, more as you know, more as nine uh, lives. We need charts. We, we need graphs. We need all charts, that stuff. We need
2: graphs. We need blueprints.
1: Yeah. So basically, uh, Johnny Blaze made the deal with Mephisto. Uh, He wants to get his soul back and fight bad guys. So that's how Johnny Blaze started. Uh, Johnny Blaze was popular because Ghost Rider was a very different type of Marvel character, but he never really caught on that much. Then come 1992, 1993, you have Danny Ketch. He is what I consider really the quintessential Ghost Rider. He's the guy with the crazy-looking freaking chopper motorcycle. Um, He's got the leather jacket with the spikes everywhere. He's the one with the chain that he'll set on fire and use to grab people. This is the one who, when we think of Ghost Rider, you're really thinking of Danny Ketch. And Danny Ketch is... Johnny Blaze's half brother. How that happened, don't worry. But basically, because comics. comics. But basically, unlike Johnny, who was bonded with a demon named Zarathos, Danny is bonded through his motorcycle with the true spirit of vengeance. So he comes with, like, the penance stare. He comes with, uh, you know, unlimited hellfire and all this other stuff. He is really the ghost rider who we see in the movies, but it's. But that version is really kind of combined of Johnny Blaze. And then you have the recent one, Robbie Reyes. Uh, Robbie is 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 a Mexican kid from Los Angeles, and he gets bonded with the demon spirit of his murderous uncle, and he becomes another version of Ghost Rider. And the thing about Robbie is he drives a hot rod. So Robbie's pretty cool as well. But, uh, you know, this is this is taking kind of the best elements of all generations of Ghost Rider and it's bringing us back really to basics. Essentially, um, you know, Johnny Blaze has the best parts of Danny Ketch's Ghost Rider and they're now starting to introduce him in a way which would kind of be taken – in another direction when they eventually introduce Robbie. So when I say this is really the quintessential Ghost Rider series, it really is. And, uh, you know, what we'll, we'll do is we'll just kind of start off with issue one, jump from there. Are you all set? I am. Do you want to start with the setup to the whole story that kind of lays the background of it, with uh,
2: the whole thing with Lucifer? Because that ties right into what we're talking yeah. about because I'm already thinking when I was reading this, like when you mentioned the thing about Mephisto, is Mephisto Lucifer? Is that the biblical devil? Is that the same thing? Is that someone different? I don't know. And I'm sure the editors of Marvel were not thinking about this when, when this is out at all.
1: But. Yeah. And I'm, glad, and I'm glad you brought it up because I'm going to go ahead and uh, read from the first page. But this also brings us something which is actually pretty cool that a lot of people take for granted now. Uh, one of the things that people don't like about comics is that if you're lap if you a lap reader for a while and you pick one up, there's not really. A recap. Well, what Brian Michael Bendis and Joe Quesada started doing at Marvel in the mid 2000s was they began to realize that every comic is going to be somebody's first comic you got to be able to keep their attention enough and you want to make sure that you're also catching up readers with the, with something to at least uh, remind them of what happened between the 30 days of when they last read the comic and now. So what they actually started doing was they started putting recap pages at the beginning of each of their comics. Now, DC only does this for... Uh, from what I think Action Comics because that's a Bendis story. Bendis understood that you know it's important to keep people up, and what Marvel editorial also liked was that if you had a recap page at the beginning of a book, that's also less original artwork you have. So oh, yeah. you actually it's a one page of art, huh? Exactly. So it was good for the readers, and it was also good cost wise for them because there's this one less page they have to do. So. Uh, and, and they do this still today through all, all the Marvel titles so that way you'll always know that whether you missed a ton of issues or a couple of issues they'll catch you up with what you need to know to have some fun.
2: Unless it's a Jonathan Hickman book then it's usually three pages and it's breaking down all the teams and all the all the little houses and all the whatever have you in it. but, but they can't fit it on one page so it saves them even more money so maybe that's really why, why they like Hickman so much
1: they I mean that's a th- th- charts for them. And- those things are like $4 though and, and you get the little like white paper like Let's Talk Talk about the economics of Genosha. And it's like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Show me Wolverine stabbing people. Exactly, my This is back. I, I want to put for the record yeah, this the worst back part when...
2: is I am going to... I know I'm going to keep reading it. I'm, never, I'm not going to pay for it. That would be a bridge too far for my own morals. But as long as these things keep popping up on Marvel middle, I probably will just keep reading it. Because at, at this point, what do I have to lose? I've already sold my soul to the, to this man.
1: You hate read that. You hate read that hard. And you like... It's
2: so hard for me because I really, like... Hickman's Fantastic Four run is one of my favorite Fantastic Four runs, who was one of my favorite comics, because they're the first comic I read was a Fantastic Four comic book, so I've always had this affinity for the Fantastic Four, and I think he had an amazing run. So to see that same person doing this to my other favorite comic of, of the 90s when I first got you know invested so much emotionally in comics, it was really, started with the Fantastic Four and then X-Men and Spider-Man were right after that, so that was really my genesis. So, so to see him do an amazing uh, job with Fantastic Four and then to move over to this this mess and the, the worst the best i can say about it is they're probably just going to wipe the whole thing out at the end so we can pretend it never happened but i don't think that makes it better actually
1: oh i i, <laughs> I say i say this every time we get into a discussion like this if you don't like current continuity or current costume or characters give it five years
2: take a breather exactly
1: what really disturbs me is that uh you, th- this specific issue of Ghost Rider. it was only 2.99 when it came out now i remember thinking damn 2.99 for a comic that's expensive now everything's like now between th- yeah now it's like four to six dollars
2: cheapest comics are three ninety nine now that's that's your minimum that that used to be used to be able to get used to be able to get at least like you, uh, download it you, what oh yeah it's the exact same price to download a comic as it is to purchase a physical comic on comiXology now comiXology will have sales for like back issues and that kind of thing but if you're buying a new comic uh, like I bought Batman free three Jokers on comiXology cause I couldn't get to a store and I wanted to read it. I was up at midnight and I wanted to read it. It was five 99. Just like it would.
1: Does be. it, does it still come with like the full page ads and stuff for other shit?
2: Yeah. You get the whole, you get it's the exact comic that you get. <sighs>
1: this, this is why, this is why I've never bought individual comics. This is why I like Marvel unlimited because if I'm going to read a digital comic, I don't want ads.
2: Yeah. That's a fair point.
1: Uh, but anyway, moving on. This is part one of Ghost Rider: The Legends of Sleepy Hollow, Illinois. Part one. I do want to mention on the cover of this and the next three issues, it says "Casualties of War" at the beginning. Uh, this can seg- ask
2: you about that. What the hell does that? What does that mean?
1: Yeah. So after Civil War, you had two big banners. You had the Initiative, which was like the Marvel Universe post-Civil War, where basically now the Superhuman Registration Act is in place, and Iron Man is Director of Shield. The whole landscape has changed. But for smaller titles such as Ghost Rider, they did casualties of war because what you had was you had a lot of characters who died in the Civil War. So, you know, different stories dealt with how different characters are processing it. Or in the case of Ghost Rider, getting to kill more people who have already been killed. And, uh, you know, Ghost Rider was actually in hell when the Civil War was going on, everyone
2: How convenient. Th- he didn't have to choose the side. Yeah, a side.
1: Yeah, so Thor was, um, Thor was. I think Thor was thought to be dead. Uh, the Thing actually ran away to France, and Ghost Rider was in hell. So we'll never get to see what side they really would have taken. But what we do know is that they came back to the Marvel Universe at one of the worst times imaginable.
2: I can't really uh, picture Ghost Rider, uh, you know, signing up for for uh, superhero registration day. To be honest. No. I have a feeling of what side he'd be on.
1: No, he, he was mainly left alone during this. But anyway, to, to get on to the, to the front recap page, motorcycle stuntman Johnny Blaze has always had his heart in the right place and made all the wrong decisions. A deal with the devil, and it's like, come on, we, we know you're going to change the name in a second, but bear with me. After a deal with the devil... Cursed him into becoming the Ghost Rider, a spirit of vengeance who hunts down the guilty and dispenses bloody retribution. Now he's gone and done it again. Trapped in hell after being manipulated by angels and demons alike, Johnny made a bargain to escape and inadvertently freed Lucifer, the Prince of Darkness. So right now there 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 are three issues I have with this, and we're not even in the first actual page. One I know it the wa- first one. Yeah, yeah it was it wasn't actually the devil, it was Mephisto. But now what they've said is that Mephisto's not in charge of Hell; it's Lucifer. But Lucifer is not the same devil who made Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider.
2: So confusing.
1: Is, does that does that link at all, or do I just make everything so much worse?
2: I mean, you didn't do it. (laughs) They did it. You explained it as well as you could, but. (laughs) It's a struggle. It's a struggle. Um, There's no consistency over who or what the devil or the devil or a devil actually is in Marvel Comics.
1: Which is, I mean, we we talked about it last week. Each time they try and do it, they just end up pissing people off even more.
2: Yeah, although the the devil here looks like, man, what is the name of that movie? I got to think of it. I'll tell you in a second.
1: He looks like the devil from Tenacious D. You ever (laughs) see that with Jack Black? He looks kind of like yeah. it. He, he kind of does. Anyway, during the passage to the physical world, Lucifer's body scattered. Legend. Legend. That is the movie i was trying to think of. He looks exactly like the Lucifer
2: from Legend. Who was Tom, in that? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise in 1995. You need to watch this movie. Actually, is uh, it? Actually is it really good? good? Is it? Yeah, it's actually good. And uh, the devil in that looks like. Is wearing this. In fact, I think they took the devil from this. He's got the same exact horn on his chin and the same exact jacket. I think this is actually taken directly from it. Now that I'm looking at it,
1: there back. aren't many ways to really change around the devil.
2: I know, but this one looks really specific. Anyway,
1: anyway, it's like
2: an evil version of Hellboy.
1: Basically. Without, oh yeah, with the red skin. And Hellboy, everything. Grew
2: his, Hellboy grew his, If Hellboy grew his horns out,
1: damn it! They, I just want to know who's the real devil. Anyway, <laughs> during the passage to the physical world,
2: that's the real devil in my world.
1: It's the only one that matters. After uh, During the passage to the physical world, Lucifer's body scattered into 666 pieces, each of which possessed a recently deceased corpse. Each possessed victim allows Lucifer to wreak havoc across the globe simultaneously, to kill, maim, to torture. And for every Avatar Ghost Rider destroys, the remaining number increase in strength. When only one remains, it will... It will be a being of such immense power that none may be able to defeat it. Ghost Rider knows all this, and yet he rides on, determined to send every last vestige of Lucifer back to hell. So I kind of like how they they don't just explain the story thus far, but they give you a breakdown of what the stakes are. I kind of like that. I
2: like that. If we just dove right into this cold, I would not really fully understand why... The, you know why this wasn't the regular Jack O' Lantern. Why that? You know why this is? They're referencing him as being Lucifer. It would have been very confusing as someone who had not been reading Ghost Rider at this time or at all.
1: Exactly. So first page, uh, we're somewhere northwest of Chicago. We've got a couple of teenagers and they're out doing teenager stuff on a Friday night. And this guy is driving his girlfriend, wants to show off to her, but she's tired. She wants to go home, probably not really enjoying the date much. And as they pull over on the side of the road, he sees that something's up, something's glowing from the distance. And in their sleepy town, it's just not something that usually happens. So he steps out of the car. She's like, come on, let's just go. I'm out. Free- I'm free- And like most guys wanting to impress a chick who's scared, he gets out and he's trying to be all macho but that doesn't really work out because next thing you know, that big giant flaming ball flying down the road completely blinds her. She looks away and she's freaking out because she's like, crap, my boyfriend was outside. What's going on? So she's screaming for him. She's like, Cameron, Cameron, do you hear me, Cameron? And all of a sudden the light goes away. And right before that, she hears a giant sharp screeching sound. Um, She gets up, You know, from hiding behind the dashboard, looks out and she sees Cameron standing there. But there's a problem. She can't see uh, past his neck because he's standing right next to the car. So she would have to get out to see what was going on. But that's okay because as soon as she looks closer to the window and she opens the car door, his body falls straight back. And what does she see? She sees that his head is completely gone. He is completely decapitated. So she's freaking out, but luckily somebody else pulled up to find this, and it's just a bloody mess. And as the camera, well, you know, it's not really a camera, but as the, as the page pans out, so to speak, you see a sign that says, Welcome to Sleepy Hollow, Illinois. Uh, right off the bat, what I like about this is it starts very much like a B-rated horror film. Um, you know, it has a cold opening that doesn't immediately jump to the main character, but lets you know that whatever is there is willing to kill people, uh, whether it's, you know, Halloween or Friday the 13th or many of the other horror films where you're about to see some type of sl- uh, slasher action. This really does take that part and run with it. And as we see Sleepy Hollow, that comes with its own connotations, because, of course, everyone is aware of the Headless Horseman, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Indeed,
2: indeed. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought that at first. I was like, you, you guys are living in Sleepy Hollow, don't you? Shouldn't you expect some things to go down when your town has that name? Or are yeah. you living in an alternate reality where they don't have that story? I don't know.
1: I, I think the moment you start seeing people with their heads gone, that's, that's going to make you wonder a thing well, or yeah, two. yeah, then you should really wonder
2: <laughs> if you're already living in Sleepy Hollow. And then that happens. I mean, yeah. It's time to rethink the town you live in. my
1: Yeah. So anyway, we go to the next morning and a few of the locals are talking about the murder. And they, you know, th- this is America at a point where the superhuman civil war has just devastated them. They're really worried about whether they're going to be safe. So to have murders like this happen, especially in such a small town, it's freaking people out. And what's worse is that um, the father of one of the children involved with that, the girl who was, you know, watching her boyfriend get his head cut off, she's in the hospital and she's not doing well. So this is where we meet Officer Harry. Officer Harry comes and he meets meets with the parents of the girl who have been wondering, you know, what's happening? Why is this going on? Officer Harry walks in. And, and from, the, from the get-go, he looks like your Sam Elliott, typical small town, gruff sheriff. And yeah, uh,
2: that's a really good, that would be perfect casting for this character. In
1: the- exactly. I mean, he, he looks like him. He's got the white mustache and the white hair. And, you know, I, I imagine him talking like Sam Elliott when I read it. <laughs> in fact, that's almost got
2: to be who they're going for here.
1: Which is ironic because Sam Elliott was in the Ghost Rider movie when this also came out.
2: All a big movie tie in, and we don't even know it, even though the timeline doesn't add up.
1: Yeah, but, you know, for me, I always like to imagine him, Sam Elliott. So he goes into the hospital room, and he's trying to figure out what's going on with this chick, but she's screaming. She is completely mentally screwed up. And, you know, Harry is like, looking at her father like, man, like what's going on with her? What has she done? And, you know, the father is genuinely freaked out. He looks back at her and says, Harry, all she's done is scream. And, you know, you go to the next page and it's, I I, I really like the artwork in this. It really shows pain very well because the way that that girl is screaming and she's crying, you know, the father's crying and everything else. He's just, he's just not doing well. Um, But he, uh, he he wants to go ahead and take her her handcuffs off. She's been handcuffed to the bed. So he's he's already like, dude, just let my daughter out. Harry complies and he um he's you know, the, he lets her out. He's the tough out. guy dad and the comforting dad all in one. He's, he's your classic movie like movie
2: level older gruff hero.
1: Yeah, so everyone's like, no, don't let her out, but he lets her out cuz he's he's a good guy. So he does that, she hugs her parents, and then he's like, listen, if I'm going to do this, I got to figure out like what what actually happened. So she agrees, um, you know, I'm going to tell you what actually happened. It's not what the news said. His head's completely gone. I'll, I'll tell you what happened. So Harry's like, OK, let's go ahead and do this. Then we go out and, you know, he he's at a point where he, all she's told him was, listen, man, Big, giant ball came down. Next thing you know, my my boyfriend's head is gone. I don't remember much from there. So at this point, he's like, "Okay, we've got to be dealing with something that's superhuman, something that we see on TV, because this just ain't normal shit. But then uh, he goes back to his office and he gets a call, and the call he gets talks about this guy that has apparently been sleeping out near these bushes near a golf course. And the call he gets is from a few guys. They're out, you know, hitting eighteen holes, and they see a random dude that's for one from out of town, but secondly, he's covered in blood. And the fact that
2: even more so than they don't recognize him, I think the fact that he's covered in blood was the real, uh, real thing that made him say, "Okay, we need to." Let me say what's up with this guy here.
1: Yeah. So at this point, Harry, you know, he, he's driving, he completely flips his car around and he's going to the golf course. And these guys, like, it's actually kind of funny. They're, they're threatening to hit him with their golf clubs as they, as they wait for Harry to show up. And this is where we first see Johnny Blaze. He's just, I guess he was sleeping in some bushes and the fact that he's covered in blood doesn't really make him look like he's all that innocent. So the timing couldn't be more opportune for the situation. So uh, Harry comes over, grabs Blaze, and they head over to the police station. And as um, you know, Harry's trying to interrogate him, it's just not working out very well. Because as soon as Johnny's about to explain and tell him this whole story, um, he starts beating him with a golf club. Man, this yeah, is he, some.
2: He starts yelling, "Drop the weapon! Drop the weapon now!" And he's like, "What are you talking? I don't have a weapon." And then suddenly he's beating him. It's like it's almost like a, what you would a picture a classic corrupt cop doing when they're you know in real life when they're beating a suspect, <laughs> and maybe what need people to think that that's, that there's something more going on. Drop the weapon! Oh, he's got a gun! He's got a gun! So I thought there was oh. a little bit of yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, what, 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 what's funny there is you go to the next page and what someone does is they actually drop a knife on the ground. They're like, see that knife? It's yours. And he's like, it's not mine. So they just continue to beat the shit out of him. And it goes on for three pages and they're like, tell me what I need to know. And he's like, man, I don't know anything. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty screwed up. But at one point, uh, you know, Harry is done beating him and he's like, dude, what do you know? And Blaze is like, I don't know. And he's like, what would you say? And then Blaze looks at him and his eyes are all red and demonic like. And he's like, I know that if you keep beating on me, something bad is going to happen. And then mid panel, we see Ghost Rider, a flashback, obviously, back in hell, just completely killing devils. And, you know, that's what he's holding back because he knows if Ghost Rider comes out, he's going to kill this cop and everyone that's been involved with this. Um, So, you know, Harry, he stops and he's like, okay, man. So how, how is this going to happen? You get all worked up, you lose control. Is that when the bad thing happens? He's kind of teasing him at this point. He wants to know, like, am I dealing with just some type of psycho killer or am I dealing with something else? Well, something else does end up happening because the room lights up, kinda of like what we saw at the beginning of the book where uh, you know, that giant fiery something was just flying down the highway. We see it again, and Harry just gets flown back. And in a giant full page spread, we see Ghost Rider standing badass as hell, and he's like, Yes, I am That's the an awesome bad page. thing. That's yeah. An awesome
2: page.
1: I mean this okay. is Okay. What, what I love about this is that they really tap into the horror. This is a dark book. This is very dark shading. This is, I wouldn't call it super realism, but it's done in a way which is supposed to make every panel uh, blend with each other. So that way everything seems like it's in constant motion. That's one thing I liked about it.
2: It always feels like it's nighttime. Even well, I think most of it is at nighttime, but they really do a good job of making everything feel just like you're in a, everything's dark, like you said.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, the, like
2: a dark that horror movie.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that full-page spread of just Ghost Rider standing over him, That that's one of my favorite parts from this issue. Uh, but what do we see next? Nothing really happens. Uh, Harry finds himself, ironically, back in the hospital. But this time, he's there. He's hooked up to a respirator, and uh, obviously, he's been asleep. And he goes, and he looks at a cop who's like, oh, my God, Harry's back up. And he's like, dude, what, what what's, what's going on? You got to tell me what's happening. So the cop uh, tells him his side of things. He's like, we were kind of hoping you would tell us, sir, uh, there was some kind of explosion back there at the country club. But the fire marshal can't make a heads or tails of it, especially since, well, you know, the whole locker room was scorched. The heat from the lockers melted the outer wall and it was completely blown out. I mean, your uniform, your gun and badge, they were just completely incinerated. Nothing makes any sense. So the cop is freaking out. Harry's freaking out. They all know what's happening. Uh, That's when Harry gets up and he's like, OK, I got to get going. So, oh, yeah. So anyway, uh, Harry gets out of bed and he's like, listen, man, I got to get back. And that's when the other officer is like, listen, man, there's something else you need to know. There was another one, Harry, another murder, two of them. There were actually two teenagers. And at this point, he's like, "Man, we got another. We got not just another kid dead, but two more kids dead. This this, this is a pretty shit day." So he grabs um, his gun and everything else. And at that point, he's like, "We we got to go." But the cops are like, "Man, you, you can't just go out at this point. I mean, we've got things under control, and you just got put in the hospital." So like something out of Batman. Batman. They. Uh, they, they. Batman. Eh. So they. They. Um, they're, they're talking away from him so that way not to, you know, stare at him getting changed and stuff. And when they look around because they realize he's been silent, he jumps out of a window so that way he could actually go solve the crime. So Harry's, Harry's kind of a badass, bit of a jerk, but kind of a badass.
2: Uh, yeah, they really do a good job of, uh, you know, of introducing this character of Harry, who would oftentimes be sort of a throwaway character in a lot of, you know, short little stories like this. But they really do a good job of attaching you to him in a way that you see. You see he's really, you know, he's kind of that, that classic gritty small town. I'm going to do the right thing no matter what I got to do kind of cop. So, you know, we see the good side of him because, you know, he's just looking out for for his daughter here. He's trying to, you know, figure out what happened here. And uh, he's gonna he's not going to be stopped. But you also see, you know, the bad side of him. He's, he's planting a knife on on this kid. Uh, so he can beat the shit out of him and justify it later on. Uh, so you see both sides of him, but he's he's becoming a character. You're understanding this character. I mean, I think out of you see more of, you learn more about Harry in this book than you do about than you do about Johnny Blaze or about
1: Ghostwriter in the first issue here. Oh, he's only in like three panels. Yeah, and only one of them is Ghostwriter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we we get to the last page of this issue, and this is where you really begin to understand the stakes. Um, You go out to this neighborhood, and you have this uh, word bubble pop out from the windows, and it's some woman saying Stevie. Then you zoom into the house, and you see these two old people tied to a chair. Now, this is one of those – this is actually something that freaked me out as a kid because I had actually never seen blood in a comic book. So as I see blood on this page, I'm looking at this. I'm just like, that's just not right. So the fact that we see an old man who's obviously dead, you know, in a pool of his own blood, one that hadn't been brought up anywhere else in the issue. I mean, you see the decapitation, but it's just not the same. To see a panel where two old people are obviously being tortured and one of them is dead, uh, it, it just adds an extra level of oh shit. This is this is this is not good. Um, you go over to the woman and she's calling out for someone named Stevie, Stevie, could you please untie my hands? I'd like to pray. And then you, you hear a voice from the room and he's like, not now, ma, I've had a really busy day and I just want to watch a little TV. And this is the fucked up part. You, you go back and you, you know, you basically look into the room. and What you see is that Stevie is actually Jack-O-Lantern and he's sitting down as if he's just, uh, you know, just, just like in any other day. Like he's just lounging around as you look at the TV.
2: scary as fuck. <laughs> like if this is a movie, this would be scary as fuck. Oh, what? Well, I... look like, a kid, like, I've seen Jack O'Lantern in a bunch of comics before, and he's always looked like more of a jokey character, like, oh, a big pumpkin on his head. This is like a big, flaming, scary looking, and he's got this devilish smile. I mean, they really do a good job of making what had formerly been a, very much a B-level throwaway type of villain into a really scary looking
1: character just from this one panel. Oh yeah, and I mean one thing I wanna I wanna jump on is the fact the last time we spoke about him on the show, uh he was in he was part of uh, uh Lucia Vombardis' uh, army in secret war.
2: Oh right, yes, yes, that's right. Yep.
1: Yeah, so I like, thought you were going to
2: confuse him with the demo goblin from uh, from Maximum Carnage.
1: No so many goblins,
2: so many goblins and so many pumpkin-related villains. in Marvel.
1: I, f- I feel like, well, well, I mean, just to kind of jump on Jackalancer and like he stole the Hobgoblin's tech, and remember the Hobgoblin stole the Green Goblin's tech. <laughs> right. So he's like the most watered-down glider <laughs> pumpkin villain you have. But I mean, I totally like,
2: man's poor man's Green Goblin, since the
1: poor man's Green Goblin is the Hobgoblin. Yeah, but I, I wanna. I, I like Hobgoblin more. I don't know why. Maybe because I grew up with him in the animated cartoon for Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, yeah. A, if I had to ch- choose a goblin besides the green, I'm going Hob.
1: Should we rank the goblins real quick? <laughs> uh, later, we'll get distracted. Well, that, number
2: one is the real green goblin.
1: Norman Osborn, Norman, obviously. Osborn
2: and Harry number two, I think.
1: I always thought Harry was so stupid. I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I just I, never I, bought it.
2: I grew up with him as sort of the green as you know my my Green Goblin until they brought Harry Osborn back uh, a couple years later. So he was always like my original Green Goblin, even though he wasn't. But you know,
1: Hobgoblin, Hobgoblin was always just willing to do more destructive shit. I have I, I admire villains that really go out of their way to do a lot of villainy. I guess
2: Hobgoblin is more original of a character, even though it's still just another goblin type character. But it's not just the Green Goblin again and his son, so it's a little more original than that.
1: Yeah i mean with, with jack-o'-lantern i mean the cool thing about him is this is probably his best incarnation because the one thing i also want to bring up is as we look at this panel his head's on fire his head was never on fire this is a recent thing that when you look at the pumpkin you see that the pumpkin is all cracked and broken there's a reason behind this do you know what happened to jack-o'-lantern before this besides
2: lucifer uh, a piece pars- of lucifer entering him now
1: yeah do you know how he died oh i have no idea oh this is fun And this is why this is a casualty of war crossover. It's because um, what ended up happening during the Civil War was that you had a lot of villains that were taking advantage of the heroes being distracted by each other. And they were off committing crimes that they could get away with because no one was going to go ahead and stop them. Well, there was one person who was cleaning up the streets while the superheroes were fighting each other, Frank Castle, the Punisher. So uh what you happened was you had uh Jackal Lantern and Stiltman robbing a bank and what the Punisher Stilt Man. does yeah Stiltman and this is this is actually The, the team
2: Jackal Lantern and Stiltman could that the, be a regular a uh, buddy comedy
1: That well I mean they might be getting a Hulu show just because someone heard it here but uh what what's what's kind of screwed up is that <laughs> I, I feel terrible think, laughing at it. You see them robbing a bank, and here's the thing. Stiltman and Jack O'Lantern, they're not really your most threatening people. You know, They're they're pretty much your your most c people out there. So you see them at the beginning of, uh, I think it was Punisher War Journal. Uh, it was a Civil War crossover. They're robbing a bank, and then Stiltman gets hit by a bazooka. And he's like, what the hell? So, I never thought I'd hear. Stiltman yeah. gets hit by a bazooka. Did Did somebody just shoot at me? So... The Punisher walks out and he blows off Stiltman's other leg, and he's basically incapacitated at this point. He's freaking out, and you know he uh, he's on the floor. And the Punisher walks over, and he's like, "Man, you're not going to kill me, are you?" And the Punisher's like, "Hell yeah, I am." So he shoots Stiltman in the face.
2: Wow, poor Stiltman. So
1: yeah, so Stiltman gets canned, and jack Lantern is trying to get away, but Frank Castle has a shotgun. So as he runs into jack-o'-lantern, jack o Lantern's like, oh, shit, man, I, I give up. I surrender. Punisher shot his head off. <laughs>
2: <laughs> shot his big pumpkin head off, huh?
1: Yeah. So that was the last time we saw of either Stiltman or jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> so did Jacko get sort of a Rider esque deal here
2: from, uh, from Lucifer by, you know, somehow him giving him part of his spirit and turning him into sort of a
1: flaming spirit of vengeance ex-creature? So we'll go ahead and jump into that for, for issue two because we're about to find out because just from the offset, we understand that obviously if Ghost Rider is in Sleepy Hollow at this point, it has to do something with one of Luc- Lucifer's pieces being around there. And for jack O'Lantern lantern to show up and be alive with a flaming head of his own, that's a, that, that's kind of a sign that they're kind of linked. Probably so, not a coincidence yeah so the this issue issue two starts off the night before um, all this kind of happened you see these two teenagers going down to a single lane bridge and you know they're they're just they're just being kids they're trespassing they're doing kid stuff they're breaking the law breaking the law as they start singing and uh you know they're, they're just doing their thing it seems like a sweet town it kind of reminds me of a dairy from from the it it movies It's just you know it's a quiet quiet Illinois town. But as they're going around and they're going to this bridge and they're they're talking about breaking the law and shit, they see a giant flaming something coming down the road, much like what happened the other night with that one girl and her boyfriend when he ended up getting his head cut off. So they turn around and they're like, oh, is that a car coming? so they uh they think oh it's it's not a car there's only one headlight it's gotta be a motorcycle or something so at that point we're thinking motorcycle oh, maybe it is actually a motorcycle they uh you know they they stand near the street they're gonna see what's coming but something is coming straight at them and the light is just getting way way more intense So what i love about the art here is that uh they, they're willing to get a little bit cartoony with it because the eyes on these kids they they, they get really big as they start to really piss their pants yeah, and so
2: that's it's a little cartoony but not not so much so that it's you know
1: it's I, not ridiculous I mean, cartoony yeah. but it's it emphasizes it uh it, it's it's you know it's horror be be gritty be be a little bit gory be a little bit ridiculous no one will care and this is you know speaking of ridiculous this is actually probably one of the i don't want to call it a a dumb a dumb panel but it is actually kind of just ridiculous if you look at it you go over to the other page where it gives off the title for the issue the legends of sleepy hollow illinois part two and what you see is a full page spread the kids are running they look terrified as hell and it's because a giant pumpkin head is flying at them nobody just a giant carved pumpkin on fire. I'll admit they got me here. I thought
2: it was going to be Ghost Rider because they said, you know, they said, oh, it's a light, like a motorcycle. And they're they totally, and then I turned this page and it's, it's equal parts, like, cheesy, awesome, and hilarious. It worked for me in every way. I, I don't think it was out of place in the story. Um, it, lo- it does look, like, kind of scary. I like this page that kind of looks like the cover of, like, I don't know, like a teenage mystery novel or something like that, like, like a Hardy Boys cover, these two kids running from this, uh, this giant flaming... Uh, Giant
1: flaming jack-o'-lantern head. So, uh,
2: yeah, I wasn't expecting the headless jack-o'-lantern. I don't think any of us were seeing that one coming.
1: No, but here, here's where things I, – I think I think if there's one person I could say, if this was like a movie, I, it would feel like one of their movies. very Wes Craven-like.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's accurate.
1: Yeah, so, so the kids are running and they run over to the bridge and this, this giant pumpkin head is coming at them and they're like, what do we do? And you know, the one kid's like, we got to jump. And the other's like, what? So they jump off the bridge. Uh, the jack-o'-lantern hits the bridge. It blows up. And as the one kid hits the water, he looks up and you just see this explosion. So earlier, it's, it's kind of funny. I think there's a good horror when you take something kind of ridiculous and you're about to make it something absolutely horrifying. But the kid's in the water. He looks up and he can see the reflection from the from the river of the explosion. It's a giant-ass explosion. Pumpkins just don't do that, damn it. And, uh, you know, the kid gets back up and he's screaming, Donnie, Donnie, where are you? And he sees, you know, that Donnie must have jumped off or whatever after the explosion. So his body falls into the river. So the kid goes over and he saves his friend. He drags him by the hand back over to the riverbed where, um, you know, they can finally catch their breath. And the kid's like, ah, this would be a lot easier if you helped, man. His friend must be unconscious (laughs) or something, right? And he, he drags him enough, and he, he finally looks over, and his hand is covered in blood, and he's like, "Oh shit, you're bleeding all, man, you're, you're bleeding, are you?" And he turns around and he realizes, "Wait, the fucking second, my friend's head is gone, oh, you're and you see the other right. Yeah, you, you see the entire neck.: Yeah, you see the other kid just completely headless. And this was another thing that kind of caught me off guard, you know, especially somebody that was just now really getting into comics. You never saw children die. Right, yeah. yeah. So not only are you ex- you, you yeah. had children die in the Civil War, and when they blew
2: when the speedball blew up a school, but you didn't see them die. This is like you actually see a headless freaking child here, not child, but like teenager.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's just one of those things where it was like I this is this is extra serious. I mean it went from being super corny and stupid a moment ago to being my God they they just decapitated another teenager. That's why I think your Wes
2: Craven comparison is pretty accurate because Wes Craven, uh, you know, his movies, his horror is often equal parts silly and cheesy, but also actually scary. I, mean, I think Freddy Krueger is the prime example of that so many of the Freddy Krueger movies, there are so many cheesy moments in those movies, but they're cheesy in a way that it's still, you know, you still take the, the character and the, the horror of Freddy Krueger seriously because he's so freaking scary, even while this sort of, you know, while he's maybe giving his cheesy lines or, you know, doing something silly in a dream sequence, uh, you know, in there. So I think this this scene kind of encapsulate, encapsulates that. Really having, We're both having problems talking today it happens it happens podcast life my
1: friends but but uh you know what you mentioned a thousand
2: words a second one of them's gonna sound weird so
1: (laughs) well you know what 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 you said about uh you know it it being part of the setup it's it's accurate and you see it really here in this issue but especially in the next page after uh his friend donnie has had his head cut off uh you see somebody come up right behind the kid and what do we have we have jack-o'-lantern on his hoverboard And he looks down at the kid and, He's like, I'll let you live, Marcus. And the kid must be pissing himself right now because at no point have we learned what the what this kid's specific name is. We know Donnie because this kid was screaming Donnie jump and Donnie, why are you bleeding all over the place? But what's scary is not only is his friend dead, but the guy that must have killed him is hovering right behind him. He's got flaming pumpkin head and he knows his name. So Jack-O-Lantern gets down and he's like, I can let you live, Marcus, but it'll cost you your soul deal. And this is part of the Lucifer getup. In order to make Lucifer stronger, especially all his 666 pieces, uh, he's going to continue to take the souls of the innocent. So to see Jack-O-Lantern possessed by a vestige of Lucifer, killing a child and then demanding another one's soul, when he finally gets off the board and he's going towards him, you see his pumpkin head, and it looks utterly horrifying. Uh, This is Jack-O-Lantern, I think, better than ever before he's genuinely a scary motherfucker
2: it's got to be his finest moment i mean what was traditionally sort of a, a like a b or c level spider-man villain uh that you didn't really see too much of or not, was never too much of a threat is suddenly like actually horrifying and beheading teenagers i mean this is like super scary now
1: yeah, and I mean, like like any good film, you eventually have the hero return. Right before the kid is about to shake Jackalantir's hand and sell him no his time soul, in make,
2: coming to that deal too. Like, that kid's like, yeah, sure, you seem trustworthy. Why not?
1: Yeah, why not? He's he's probably too busy pissing himself. He's like, man, I'll give you anything. Just leave me alone. Yeah, I guess when
2: your your other option is just a fiery headless death, you know, you'll make whatever deals presented to you
1: options options but anyway uh jack-o'-lantern gets yanked away from the kid he's uh he's got this giant chain wrapped around him pulling him aside and what's kind of funny is that as whoever and we all know it's ghost rider uh as ghost rider you know wraps him up with the chain and yanks him back his head actually falls off so you see the flaming pumpkin fall off but here's the real here's how you know this is legit the pumpkin looks at the kid and starts talking. It's like we'll talk again, kids, soon. And uh, it, it's 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 cheesy, but it's scary at the same time. It's really good. And then you go to the next page, and somehow he's able to talk. Without a head, because you see his, you know, Jack Lantern's headless body screaming, Hey, I was kind of busy back there. And then you get another awesome full page Ghostwriter spread of him on his hell hell cycle uh, dragging him with him. And what we basically learn is that, okay, this was how Johnny Blaze got to Sleepy Hollow, Illinois. He was tracking down Lucifer who got jack-o'-lantern's body so he drags him off away from the kid starts beating the shit out of him and just before he's about to actually you know take him down ghost rider doesn't have the best spatial awareness i guess because then out of nowhere he gets hit by a truck and um, you know, Jack-o'-lantern gets hit by a truck too. in fact Jack-o'-lantern actually gets run over by the truck. so they both get hit by the truck. Uh, Jack-o'lantern is you, you see him under the truck just getting run over over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, the, the driver jumps out. He's like, oh, man, I just kill somebody. So he gets out. And he's like, dude, oh, man, oh, man, what am I going to do? And out out behind him, you hear you're going to run away. And I, I got to say, these full page Ghost Rider spreads are beautiful. I would pay every time. I would pay to have these as as framed posters. But you get to uh, another full page spread of Ghost Rider, and he's walking towards the truck driver, and he's like, "Quickly, you're going to run away quickly." And um, you know the thing about this is this isn't just regular jack-o'-lantern this isn't just lucifer they take the best parts of each other so as ghost rider is about to go take down lucifer he calls him out and uh you know at this point we realize this isn't necessarily jack-o'-lantern but this is part of lucifer so it's really lucifer using jack-o'-lantern's body But, you know, Ghost Rider thinks he's dealing with a regular, you know, weaker version of Lucifer. This isn't it. It's Lucifer in the body of a supervillain. And the thing about Jack Lantern is that he's got his own gadgets. So he pulls out, um, you know, like a glove blaster, a wrist blaster, and he shoots... Ghost Rider, And the thing is, it's actually pretty potent because when he shoots him, he, he basically incinerates his skull. But the cool thing about this is Ghost Rider a freaking demon. He doesn't technically die. So he starts putting himself back together. And, uh, you know, right as Ghost Rider is about to stand back up, this is actually kind of comedic. Uh, Jack-o'-lantern's glider, which we thought was broken when he got hit by the truck, comes over and smacks him in the back of the head. Giving Jack-o'-lantern. UFO, Glider. It's not like a goblin glider. It's kind yeah, of it's dumb. Different. It's like a disc. It's
2: like a Frisbee. It's like Captain America's shield. But, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, the, the, the hoverboard hits him, giving Jack-O-Lantern Lucifer enough time to uh, to jump away and, you know, he's gone. And at that point, that's basically what takes us to where we are now. Uh, Ghost Rider was in town and as a... Uh, everything else happened in the last issue. We know that both Harry and Ghost Rider are now trying to go figure out what the hell is happening, especially as Lucifer is now going around killing people. So we're now back to the present. Uh, You know, Johnny Blaze blew up the country club where he was getting the shit beaten out of him in the locker room, and he's going around town, flaming skull and all in the hell chopper, uh, trying to figure out what's going on. And I got to give Harry some credit because he must have been moving at mock speed because Ghost Rider, who does not look like somebody who takes the slow road anywhere, uh, he's looking around, trying to see if he could find clues of him. And next thing you know, he gets hit by a freaking cop car. That's right. Harry literally runs into Ghost Rider with a cop car, not just into a wall. He takes him through a freaking building and then to to kind of top it all off. When he's got Ghost Rider pinned, he jumps out with a freaking squad automatic machine gun, a squad automatic weapon, a saw. Damn it. Like this is not something you just give cops. This is something you had to go out and buy. And it's big. And he's aiming at Ghost Rider and he's like, man, I'm going to take you out for what you did to those kids. And it's just this is one of those moments where it's like this is stupid on all levels, but it works out so well.
2: Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying like the, the visuals of this, of the the battle I mean, when you first see Ghost Rider and Jack-O-Lantern encounter each other. You realize they're kind of in some ways they're almost like two versions of the same character. You know, they're both have this giant flaming head. Uh, they're both horror characters. Uh, but you're kind of learning that, like like you said, how Jack-O-Lantern is, uh, you know, he's he's not just Jack-O-Lantern. He's not just Lucifer. He's Lucifer with gadgets. You know, it's really like an interesting thing. You don't often see, you know, the, the spirit of, um, you know, the spirit of Lucifer or a de- demonic creature take on gadgets and actually use like little devices and little guns and that sort of thing and and kind of brag about it. You really kind of get a personality of Lucifer here as well. So uh, it's a it's really, entertaining and really i mean i'm just loving the art in this the art really conveys this uh these scenes in a way that makes it really just feel like a sort of like a a pretty well done uh kind of 80s b horror movie
1: yeah i mean speaking of b horror movie this is one of those scenes where it's like if i got to write a comic i would want to homage and bring in some of the stuff that i love from movies and this next part uh you know we we pan back out to see Uh, Lucifer jack-o'-lantern in a cemetery, and he's like, man, I love this town. I mean, Sleepy Hollow, how perfect is that? And it's the best time of year, too, Halloween. So he's looking around this graveyard, and he's thinking, hmm, uh, am I going to go trick-or-treating? Yeah. Who's going to go with me? And the last page of this, you see jack-o'-lantern Lucifer just standing in the graveyard and out from nowhere, all these hands start coming up out of the ground. So what are we going to have? We're going to have zombies. Yeah, it totally felt like a scene from a movie where you're like, oh, this is one kind of movie. This is about
2: this jack-o'-lantern creature who's possessed by Lucifer. Then you're like, wait a minute, and zombies? Oh, my God, what are we getting into here?
1: Yeah. So that wraps up issue two. What What are you thinking so far?
2: I'm really pleasantly surprised by it as someone who hasn't gotten that much into Ghost Rider in the past. Uh, I di- I wasn't necessarily expecting this sort of horror-esque of a story. You know, I know he's like a horror-related character, but to actually see them portray the character and portray the entire story in such a, a dark horror movie, like, like we've mentioned a couple times, it really does feel like you, you could definitely be watching uh, a horror movie, like, uh, um, you know, like a kind of eighties B and I, I say B with love. I I, I think B movies are great, um, but you know, they're, they are what they are for a reason. You know, they're, they're not supposed to be these big intricate things that you, that you think too much about. They're supposed to be fun and dark and an enjoyable ride. And that's exactly what this has been so far.
1: Yeah. You know, a few episodes ago when we were talking about Deadpool pulp, uh, we mentioned that, you know, what they did was they basically took, you know, the, the basics of Ghost Rider and they stuck him in what really felt like a Humphrey Bogart film or like an early Sean Connery James Bond basics film. Basics of
2: Deadpool, you mean? I think it would be hilarious to see Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider pulp.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what we the didn't like. And
2: having dinner and, uh, in a tuxedo. and.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what we didn't like was the fact that it felt too out of Deadpool's element. Here we have them taking some things that are very much you know what you would see in most horror movies especially from the you know 80s where i think the best horror films came out and they're applying it to ghost rider who has always been kind of a hit or miss with it in the best way possible so take those horror movie elements and do it right panel for panel i you know i i I completely love it it's perfect here this is where it's done perfectly
2: yeah, no complaints so far, really.
1: So we go over over to issue three, and what we see is someone ringing the door of this house. And it's not just any other house. We see the, the glass has a cross on it. And if we know anything, it's that something's about to happen if you're combining Ghost Rider and religion. And what do we have? We have uh, Lucifer Jack-o'-lantern show up, and he's ringing the doorbell, and he's about to say trick-or-treat. And what you see is this army of zombies behind him. So we think, oh, he's going after the nice Christian family. What's he going to do? This is going to be absolutely terrible. Uh, What you think might happen doesn't necessarily happen because on the same page in the last panel, you see the building just explode. And what I love is that they keep blowing up Jack Lantern's head. Uh, and it's probably the third time they've done it. I love it. You see him with his zombie army. He's about to go completely, you know, just destroy this household and probably kill the family. And next thing all you know, it just blows up. But here's the, here's the cooler part. Uh, It wasn't actually an explosion, you see. What we see is kind of from a few feet behind Jack-o'-lantern. It looks like an explosion. But when you go to the next page, what you see was that it was actually a pretty hefty shotgun blast. And who was holding the shotgun? Harry.
2: Sam Elliott. (laughs)
1: Harry. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when you look at this page, it's funny. Because if you know how Jack O' Lantern died, this is basically exactly how it happened. A guy who gives no shits with a shotgun blowing off his head. Yeah I, I greatly enjoyed that because you especially cuz the
2: the reader just thinks we're going straight from that last panel to some house you have no idea you know that it's anybody's it's in particular's house and then boof you're, you're expecting a zombie invasion of this house house instead you get Jack Lander's head blowing up and then you see Harry and it's just like you almost forgot about Harry cuz I don't think was he even in the last issue I don't even think oh, yeah that. he
1: pulled out the saw
2: Anyway, clearly I had forgotten about Harry for whatever reason, so to me it was like a giant return of Harry. I was like, oh my god, this is awesome, and then we later find out, you know, kind of, well, I'll let you guide us through exactly what led up to these events. But it's really, I like how you did the storytelling here where you don't realize that something else has has occurred in between here.
1: Yeah, so we go to the next page, and what shows is that this is taking us back to earlier that night when Harry, uh, with Ghost Rider pinned up against the wall in his car and Harry holding the the machine gun at his head. He's like, listen, man, you got to tell me, what are you? Who are you? And this is, (laughs) I I, I hear Nick Cage's voice when I hear this because it's just the most blunt answer. I am the spirit of vengeance. I am the Ghost Rider. And Harry just looks at him. He's like, okay, then just need a name for the report. That's all. And, uh, you know, as, as we think that Harry's about to pull the trigger, the barrel of his gun starts melting and then Ghost says, Stands up, pushes the car away, he's screaming, and wraps up Harry with his, uh, with his, you know, with his chain, and lifts him up like a small child. And he's like, "Listen, I, I man." Really
2: like Harry's one line before that, he's because uh, Harry says when he says, you know, "Who are you? What are you?" and Ghostwriter says, "I'm the spirit of vengeance. I'm the Ghostwriter." Harry's response is pretty funny. He just goes, "Okay, then. Well, I just, I just needed a name re- for the report. That's all." So, <laughs> yeah, like, I, like he went through all that, and he's just like, "All right, man. I just needed to write down something." Like <laughs>
1: But but when you Mr. see the bear writer, OK, is is that is that R.Y.D.R. or R.I.D.R. Yeah, exactly. Is it Italian? But D's? but, okay. but uh, yeah, so he he wraps him up with his chain, lifts him up and Ghost Rider's like delay me again, human. And the punishment I visit upon you shall be of biblical shall, shall be biblical scope. <laughs> it's just it's. It, it's meant to be very serious, but when you read it, it's just not. It's but like, I think it's meant it's to like be that movie. way.
2: Again, it's it's cheesy and sp- serious at once. If you're Harry, it's it's not funny at all. But you know, it is kind of comical for the reader while still you know having the right tone and you know the right sort of horror sort of uh, element to it.
1: <sighs> yeah. And, uh, you know, at that point, you know, Harry looks at me, he's like, well, you better just kill me now. Cause I'm not going to stop until right before he says that Ghost Rider throws him through a glass window out into the street. And Harry, you know, literally falls back into the hood of a car, denting it. It's a big mess. And, uh, as he gets up and he's like, wait, did the guy just throw me? The building explodes. So, we're meant to basically think, wow, maybe Ghost Rider may have actually saved him just now. And I don't know, this is just a sign of the times, so but I find the next page kind of funny because Harry's standing in front of the building which just blew up and he goes over and he sees a payphone. Mark, I have not seen a payphone since ever. <laughs> since ever. When was the last time you saw PayPhone?
2: The last PayPhone I knew of was next to a sports bar that, uh, was, that I went to, I started going to back in 2004. It closed in 2017. It still had the PayPhone outside of it when it was closed, but the last time I drove by, there was no phone in it any longer. <laughs> so that was the last PayPhone I can recall.
1: Yeah, so this and is 2000. I who used
2: it in, in, between, in those years. I never saw a human <laughs> being use it for any of those, though, 13 or 14 years. So I don't even know. It was just there.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there were still payphones in 2006, but the fact that the artist put a payphone in here for uh, Harry to call somebody, that's pretty funny. And as he's calling somebody, uh, he turns around, drops the phone, and he just sees Ghost Rider standing there. And I got to repeat it again. These full-page spreads of Ghost Rider are some of the coolest Ghost Rider spreads ever.
2: For sure.
1: Yeah, he's a badass. Yeah, so, you know. Harry looks at him. He's like, what? They could you w-?
2: all make movie posters for this movie.
1: I would, I mean, it would, if, they, if they adapted this into an animated film, I think it would be cool. If they no, did it live action.
2: Ghost in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Boom. Just give us a, a little brief introduction. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lucifer. Just give us the same thing they gave us here. Just give us a, a little crawl. It says, Lucifer's in a bunch of pieces. He went into the jack-o'-ladder, and here we are. Boom. Here's the story.
1: Hey, direct-to-DVD. He'll take my money. I give you my money for that.
2: I'll give Amazon three bucks for
1: it. Yeah, so Ghost Rider's walking out, and Harry's just like, "What you want me to finish off yourself, huh? Is that it? Come on!" So he's waiting for Ghost Rider to come and fight him. Uh, he kind of flames out and turns into Johnny Blaze, and he just falls flat on his face. And you see a giant, you know, sound effect just "fump." And uh, Harry's just looking at him like, well, that's just not what I expected.
2: You got to love Harry. He's not phased by any of this shit. He's just, got, he's like, I am out to get whatever the fuck is going on in my town, whatever's like, you know, beheading teenagers. I'm going to stop this shit. I don't care if there's a freaking flaming dude on a motorcycle. I don't care if there's a freaking, you know, I don't think he's actually seen a jack-o'-lantern at this point. Uh, but yeah, I don't care if there's a, you know, flaming jack-o'-lantern flying around town with zombies. Like, I'm just going to. I'm Harry and I'm going to, I'm the sheriff and this is my town and I'm not going to stop. I don't care what this guy does to me.
1: Yeah. And we, we can't take a moment of brevity because the next page, uh, shows, uh, Lucifer jack-o'-lantern back in the graveyard and he's having to have a hard time with his army of the undead. And he's like, ah, this is the worst army of the undead ever. And he's trying to teach them how to do basic shit, like, you know, walk in a single mob. And they're just they're just not having they're just not having it. So he's bossing around these zombies who are like, eh, you know, doing their whole zombie thing. And he's just looking around. He's like, you, you got to be kidding me. So this is kind of a throwaway page, but it's funny. I mean, th- this is the misadventures of Lucifer Jack-o'-lantern. It's ridiculous. So you might as well have some fun with it.
2: Yeah, I enjoy the little you know moments of comedy that we get from Jack O' Lantern here uh, throughout, kind of interspersed throughout this.
1: Yeah, and because then right after that, the the page takes us to Johnny Blaze. He's waking up, and once again, he's tied up somewhere with a ton of guns, and he has Harry standing right in front of him. And you know, Johnny's looking around. He's like, "Dude, where am I?" And Harry's like, "You're in my basement. If you try to turn it into that flaming skeleton thing, know this." And he turns on the light and you just see, expl- you know, boxes marked, danger, explosives everywhere. You look at the top right corner. He's got a frickin AR-15 and then another bazooka on the wall. This is the most like hardcore local cop I think has ever existed. He's been waiting
2: for this day his whole life. He's like, one of these days, one of these weird super freaks is going to get into my little sleepy
1: hollow town and I'm going to be armed up. I'm going to be ready to rock. You know, in the year 2020, I think we all have a little hairy in us. I think so. Yeah, So he, he's continuing to interrogate him, and he's like, listen, man, I don't, I don't care who you are. I just want to know what you are and why you're here. And this is where we get really the, the most simplified Johnny Blaze ghostwriter story ever. My name is Johnny Blaze, and a long time ago I made a deal of the devil to save the ones I loved. Because of that deal, I became something called the ghostwriter, and I got sent to hell. But I escaped, and so did the devil. <laughs> It's not. It's not the devil. It's it's Lucifer, a devil, but not Mephisto, the one that Mephisto. gave you that gave you powers. So, uh, it, it but
2: otherwise, a good summary. Yeah, <laughs> a nice concise summary from Johnny Blaze.
1: Yeah, not not in one piece like me though. Instead, he came down to Earth in a bunch of little pieces that ended up in the bodies of the recently dead, bringing them back to life but possessed. And that's basically it. And he looks at the guy and he's like, listen, man, I'm chasing the devil, trying to write something that I did very, very wrong. And they just kind of look at each other and Johnny's like, "What? any other questions? Uh, At this point, Harry, Harry looks at him. He's like, I got a couple. Um, You're, you're convinced that the devil's here in Sleepy Hollow, right? And Johnny's like, I know he is. And this is, this is, (laughs) this is kind of funny. Hmm. What does the devil look like anyway? And Johnny's like, listen, I I, I see where you're going with this. And, you know, Harry's like, I'm serious, Johnny. I want to know. And and this is where we where It kind of alludes into a little bit more of who Ghost Rider is. Johnny's like, listen, I, I don't know. But when the Ghost Rider's in control, I don't necessarily see everything he sees. But what I do see is a pumpkin and it's on fire. And that matches the report of what all the survivors saw the last couple of nights as heads were getting chopped off and they were left to live. Harry's like, wait, what did you just say? And Johnny's like, I, I, I said a pumpkin. So, you know, at this point, Harry's he's calling for backup and he's like, listen, man, we, we got to do something. So he's calling his, uh, you know, his other cops. And basically, something's killing the cops. So at this point, you know, Harry's like, listen, I, I got to let this Ghost Rider guy go because he might be the only way I can actually stop whatever's happening. And uh, as they're coming up with the plan, they're trying to figure out what's happening. What's funny is that you just see him. You just see him like, you know, grabbing more guns like this is <laughs> this is Sam Elliott basically like as the Punisher. Like he's going to blow up the he's going to keep blowing up this damn pumpkin head over and over and over
2: with every weapon he has.
1: Yeah, and, and this is where it uh, it, it gets, it, it, it's it's oh it's it's B-rated horror at its best. You see Harry and you see Johnny show up to some guy's house, and uh, you know he knocks on the door and you see a guy walk out and he's like Harry, what's going on? And Harry looks at him and he's like, the devil's coming, Daryl. He's coming here to your house. You should pack up your wife and kids and get out of town. You don't understand what I'm saying, Daryl. The end times have come, just like you always said they would. And as we zoom out to the house, we basically see this house is a little roadside church. And uh, this is the perfect place where jack o'Lantern's going to start his massive slaughter of the town of Sleepy Hollow.
2: Yeah, I like that they they kind of had him just know that he was going to go to this church, and I, I like how he just used his knowledge of this Daryl character's uh, belief that the, this day would come someday to sort of think, all right, we're taking over your house. This is where this is where this little devil pumpkin's going to come, and we're going to be ready for him.
1: But but here's the real screwed up part: is they basically pack up their car and they're getting ready to go. Um, you know, Johnny looks at Harry and he's like so what do we do now? And Harry opens the back of his car and what you see are a ton of C4 explosives and he's like we're gonna lay a trap. So right after that it takes us back to the beginning of the issue where Harry has just blown off Jack-O-Lantern's head and uh, it's it's pretty funny because he, he finishes Jack-O-Lantern's sentence. At the beginning of the, of the issue he was like trick or and then he gets his head blown off and then we go all the way back here and Harry's like treat. He's got the gun He's got the explosives. he's got the grit. he's got the one liners. This is this is pretty good. But, uh, you know, you can't just shoot him and expect him to stay down, because as soon as he gets down, uh, his pumpkin head grows back and he's super pissed. He's looking at his zombie arm and he's like, what? Don't just stand there. Those idiots attack. So then we see, you know, uh, Harry basically about to go up against the army of the dead. And he's just it's like something out of your favorite zombie horror film. He's just shooting these zombies and limbs are flying. And uh, Harry screams out, these corpses are nothing to worry about. They're useless without orders. And uh, you know, jack lanterns like, well, come on, man. Yeah, I, I already kind of know that. They're they're gonna do their thing. And um Harry, you know, he he basically looks back at jack lantern and he's like, Man, I I I wasn't talking to you. And right behind Jack-o'-lantern, you see that. He was actually talking to Ghost Rider, who, in another full-page spread, is walking right behind Jack And this is the first time you see his pumpkin face actually look concerned. Because he's like, oh, he was telling Ghost Rider that if he kills me, all my zombies are going down. So that's the end of issue three. Now we're getting up to the fight. What are your thoughts so far?
2: It's really fun. Like, I didn't really have, you know, I trust your recommendations, but I can't say I was like super had high expectations going into this. I didn't really have any expectations one way or the other, uh, but I'm, I'm just really finding it fun. You know, this isn't so far the greatest story I've ever read in my life or anything like this, but it's it's fun. It's lighthearted. You know, it's not something you have to overthink. Uh, and uh, as we've mentioned a million times, it just feels like a kind of a, a movie a, a, a movie that I am a, a fan of, of the genre of is, I, I mean, I love like 80s uh, specific. Specifically, 80s horror B movies, and there are so many of them. There are hundreds and hundreds of them, and this feels like if it were a movie, it would be one of the better ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean this is this is what you want from comics. Sometimes you just want to be mindlessly entertained. And this is a lot of mindless entertainment, but they, 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 they put some smart elements to it. You've got the humor, you've got the you've, you've got the you've got the storytelling where they're actually trying to add some layers to this, and I mean the action itself is pretty badass. The artwork really ties all together too. So as we we start issue four, we see uh, you know, where everything left off right at the end of issue three. They're about to fight Jack o' lantern. And, um, you know, jack-o'-lantern looks around at zombies and he's like, ah, boys, you've been set up. And Ghost Rider's like, vengeance has come for you, devil. And once again, it's like, bro, just be, be specific. His name is Lucifer. Every, if everyone's the devil, then no one's really the devil. Get, get specific. But, uh, anyway, jack-o'-lantern Lucifer, he takes out his pumpkin bombs, throws them at Ghost Rider. And at this point, um, you know... I don't necessarily know how to describe this in the best way possible because the panel work here is a bit confusing. You see that he's thrown pumpkin bombs at Ghost Rider, but he's also apparently thrown some pumpkin bombs towards the house. So what Ghost Rider does with his chain is that he basically aims it in a a straight line to take down all the pumpkin bombs and then causes them to explode. And Jack O' Lantern, you know, he 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 turns away for a second. He turns around. He's trying to see what blew up, and he's like, "You, I I cannot believe you! Do you know how hard it was for me to raise an entire zombie army? And just before we think there's going to be a massive zombie army fight, we realize that Ghost Rider used all of the. Uh, All the pumpkin bombs and another full page spread with limbs and bones everywhere to blow up the entire army. So I think it's kind of funny. I wish that we had seen more of the potential for a big zombie murder fest that we saw towards the end of issue three. But for him just to quickly make do of his entire zombie army, that's pretty funny.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was definitely expecting a lot more out of the zombie thing. I was expecting, you know, a h- whole huge battle and, uh, you know, Harry kind of ripping his way through zombies and all that stuff. But uh, when I think about how the story ended up playing out, I don't know if we really needed that. Just because I was expecting it, isn't mean doesn't mean that's what I needed. And uh, I kind of did like the way that he just so, sort of easily just took care of the zombies too. So, it, it, And considering this is just a relatively short story for issues, eh, do we really need a whole issue or a whole, you know, seven, eight pages of, the, of them battling zombies? Not really. This is more about Ghost Rider, Harry and, and them battling jack o so it works.
1: Yeah, so like in this moment, you think, oh, they, they must be rushing, where's the real action, where's the horror, where we're about to see that, because back inside the house, um, Harry is tr- still trying to call for some type of help, but what he realizes is that something is off. He looks off into the hallway, and he sees a kid named Cameron. Now, Cameron is a zombie, and if you, you look really closely, you see that his head had to be stitched back together to his body.
2: So who did the stitching? Is that did they do they do that before they bury him because his head was totally gone in you know when we saw that body at the, in the last issue. But uh, or is it possible that I'm overthinking it and the answer is because comics?
1: I think the answer is because comics. Yeah,
2: okay. That's what I thought.
1: Moving yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, so next page it, it pans back out to Jack Lantern and uh, Ghost Rider outside and you see a speech bubble come out from the window of the house and it's Harry screaming no. This is probably the first time where Harry has, who's witnessed a ton of scary shit so far, is genuinely not doing well. And Jack O'Lantern starts laughing. He looks at Ghost Rider and he's like, ha, sounds like the sheriff's been reunited with his beloved long lost godson. So glad I could make it happen. So Ghost Rider, he's he's freaking out. He's like, oh God, someone's going to go after Harry. So he calls out his name and, you know, Jack Lantern. He, he, he just seems pissed at this point. He's kind of a prima donna. He looks at Ghost Rider and he's like, wait a minute. I'm standing right here and you're concerned about what's happening to that guy? You? I'm really disappointed in you. It's. <laughs> you're it's supposed not, to be a spirit of vengeance. You're
2: not supposed to give a shit about this guy.
1: The dialogue, I, I will credit with this. The dialogue is smart. They didn't have to try and throw in the humor there and they don't try and cake it on too much. But when it's done, it's done well. So you see I would Ghost call Rider. Good cheesy it's good cheesy. It's good B-rated, B-rated stuff. So what you see is that uh, Ghost Rider is throwing a chain out and we don't see what he's about to hit it with until we realize that what was coming towards him was Jack-O-Lantern's glider again. He He's going to try and trick him like he did last time on the highway uh, when they last met. So uh, he grabs it and he's being just completely dragged off into the sky. So now we've got Jack-O-Lantern outside. We've got Ghost Rider being Dragged away by the glider. And then we've got Harry back inside the house fighting his zombie godson, Cameron. So, And this is kind of scary because you actually see the kid just completely like throwing him all over the place. And uh, Harry's not having it. He knows that he's got to take the kid out. So he grabs a freaking uh, skewer and he stabs him in the face. Uh, We go to the next page and we see Ghost Rider still trying to... Deal with the glider, and at this point, he just takes his chain and he rips it in half and he's falling back down to the ground. Uh, and just in good ghost rider fashion, he's if he falls, you know, he might get injured, flames might go out, whatever. But you know, we're missing something, we're missing his bike. He calls his hell cycle all the way there, it uses a car to basically, you know, use it as a ramp to jump into the sky. Ghost Rider lands in his bicycle, in his motorcycle mid air and another full-page spread. You see him it's, a in that, the sky.
2: Yeah, it's such a coordination to go from the glider, falling down, summon your motorcycle, jump off the car, land at the perfect time. And then another, like you said, another one of these awesome full-page spreads, uh, almost full-page spread, uh, where Ghost Rider just says, never question my skills as he lands on the motorcycle in front of the
1: awesome full moon. Like, it's such an awesome shot. I, it's I, a I, movie. I will. like a
2: movie, so I say it's an uh, awesome shot. Nice I,
1: shot. I will admit that I almost said um, Ghost Rider's bicycle. Could you imagine him on, yeah, like, a bicycle? I'm not. I'm
2: not. <laughs> <laughs> that be that. Since there's like a million ghost writers, there may as well be another one where it's just a little.
1: I am bit the back. I am the spirit of Eco Vengeance.
2: <laughs> ghost, ghost tricycle writer. Ghost, ghost something trike? like that. What about ghost trike? There
1: you go. I could see it. That you know, th- we we're, we're entering the multiverse. Anything can happen. Right. Exactly. Uh, into
2: we into the writer verse. That's we've <laughs> <immediately>. gone too
1: <laughs> far. We've gone too far. Um, next page, we go back to the house and Harry's screaming, Cameron, I don't want to stab you with a fork, but, and you know, Cameron lunges at him and Harry starts stabbing him and stuff. And, uh... You know, he's he's screaming at him. He's trying to realize, listen, this isn't the kid. This is a zombie. So he screams, you're a bad kid, Cameron. You always were. He kicks him into a refrigerator and he's like, if you hadn't been killed, you probably would have killed somebody. As he lands in the refrigerator, the door slams so hard that it causes the force of the fridge to fall flat on its flat on its face. And what we still hear is that the kid is in there, you know, still a zombie. He's beating the fridge, trying to get out. And we see Harry catching his breath. And he's like, listen, all the same, though, I'm sorry, kid. With that little piece of dialogue right now, they add a new layer to, to Harry. We realize that obviously this was a somehow the kid died and somehow things were not good. So for him to add that little extra layer... It just makes you realize wow this is a this is a deeper character than what we would typically get from somebody who's just part of a supporting cast for one story. I kind of liked it.
2: Yeah, I, I like that, you know, at some point, Harry just realizes, okay, this is not Cameron. This is, you know, this is this zombie. So I can say all the shit I would say if I, if I didn't actually think this was my kid. And and I can say all the shit that I, you know, that I, I've been thinking, all the shit that I've maybe kept inside, because screw it, it's not actually him. So I can actually say whatever I want to fuel my sort of my my spirit, to fuel my, my vengeance, my anger, and channel it towards this zombie version of, the, of my godson, who I otherwise would surely uh,
1: be kind and loving to. Yeah, but, but this is the real screwed up part. So we see Harry, he's, he's got a few tears running down his face. He sees the kid is still trying to break out of the refrigerator. Then from behind him, we hear a voice. And the voice says, this may surprise you, but I've never fired a gun. And we see Jack, <laughs> we see Jack o Lantern enter the kitchen of the house with all sorts wh- of things, pumpkin bombs and
2: uh, gliders and little, you know, little gadgets from his wrist. But I guess not a shotgun
1: yeah and to see him walk in <laughs> walk in just holding a shotgun it's just it's just funny to look at it, it's just one of those things that you would not pair together i mean jack o a pretty ridiculous character but to come in with a shotgun and then to tease the guy and he's like so how does this work you just go ahead and uh, you know point the barrel and pull the trigger right and just before you think ship uh jack-o'-lantern's gonna kill harry with the same shotgun that harry used to blow off his head earlier uh harry looks at him he's like yeah but you gotta put the bullets in it first so jack o like what he tries to look at the shotgun he's like there's no and then ghost rider's chain wraps around his legs he drags him into the kitchen as he drops the shotgun the shotgun actually fires so harry called his bluff Mm-hmm. It actually was loaded. And you know, Jack-O-Lantern's pointing at him. He's like, ah, you, you got me, Harry. And Harry pulls out uh, a radio. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't. And what you see is that uh, he's dr- uh, Ghost Rider is dragging uh, Jack-O-Lantern out onto the street away from the house. And we're thinking, where is he taking them to? They had set up another trap. And what he does is he pulls him into a circle of C four explosives, and just at that point, the whole thing blows up. And it's another uh, you know full page spread. The house is just gone; everything is gone. I love on these
2: explosives. Like if you read the little uh, what it says on on them, it says front towards enemy, and they're all pointing you know inwards towards uh, towards o Lantern.
1: It's like something. It's like something out of like you know a, a Roadrunner cartoon. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's not enough to take out o Lantern, but he's he's pretty severely weakened. And you know he looks at Ghost Rider and he's like, man, that's that's this is what a, what a drag, what a drag. I really liked this outfit. And at that point, Ghost Rider plunges his fist into o Lantern's heart, literally pulling it out. And as he squeezes it, it basically kills the last remnant of this portion of Lucifer. And at that point, his body just disintegrates. And as his pumpkin head is beginning to shrivel up, Ghost Rider comes over and steps on it like a badass.
2: Yeah, I love it. Not, I mean, the thing was disintegrating anyway, but just because, just because he's already been through all this bullshit, why not? I'm Ghostwriter. I'll just step on this damn thing, too. Yeah.
1: And, and this is where you would think you kind of understand how the ending is supposed to be. When I first read this, I thought, oh, this is where he goes and meets Harry, and they're about to be friends, and they'll have learned some type of lesson out of this. Nope. Go, uh, Johnny Blaze goes back to normal, and he's going to go... You know, see how Harry's doing. And he's like, hey, man, are you OK? What's wrong? And Harry's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm a 62. I, I'm 62 <laughs> damn years old, kid. And, you know, Johnny's like, oh, well, for, I, I want to I thank you for. And, you know, Harry cuts him off. He's like, you want to thank me? Do it by getting out of my town and never coming back ever. And in the last page, we see Johnny, just as Johnny, back on his motorcycle, driving out of sleepy hollow. Never I to return. No, uh,
2: I love that there's no thanks for the help. There's no. Uh, I'm I glad we worked things out after that rocky beginning. It's just get the hell out of my town. I know we we might have defeated this thing together, but he he, I, he still. I still see you as the reason this all happened. So get the hell out of here, and we're never going to talk about this again. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, I'm too old for this shit.
1: <laughs> and, and you want to know how often we'll see Harry again after this in the residence of Sleepy Hollow, Illinois?
2: I'm guessing, sadly, never.
1: Never again. It's very sad. <laughs> <scary. laughs> So that was it. That was the four-part storyline. Uh, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Illinois, in Ghost Rider. What are your thoughts, Mark? Uh, my thoughts are someday
2: when I'm grown up, and I'm going to be like Tom King who was like really liked a character when he was younger and then did a whole bunch of ridiculous shit with that character in the form of Kite Man well Harry is going to be my Kite Man when I write comics when I grow up someday Uh, I'm going to do a whole series about Harry and there's going to be a whole big big maybe I'm going to be writing Spider-Man and Spider-Man is going to have a whole big storyline with the Green Goblin uh, where he remembers the feud between the Green Goblin and uh, let's say Doctor Octopus and they they team up with all the villains in the Marvel Universe and it goes on for like eight or ten episodes in the middle of it we have a two issue har- Harry origin story I have to get I have PTSD I have PTSD from Tom King I'm
1: just Tom reading. King damaged you that much through your proce- hate reading I'm having
2: trouble processing all of it but uh, no I, my biggest takeaway from this story is I really liked Harry and, it, and it's not often that you find the regular humans I'm usually bored by the regular humans in comics even like characters like Rick Jones I'm like alright Rick whatever like I want to see superheroes I want to see people with powers I want to see spirits of vengeance and demons but this is one time where I might have enjoyed Harry the most in this whole thing. Although they did, I did that they they did a really good job here of turning this jack-o'-lantern character, this version of jack lantern not only into a scary t- character, but a funny character and never losing, you never lose the horror elements because, because of the funny stuff. Uh, that's again, I, I guess I'll just compare him to, to, Freddy Krueger, who I, I think is one of the scariest characters in horror movie history. Um, and, but I think he's, he's always a funny character as well. And, you know, Freddy Krueger never loses the horror in the comedy. He's always seems really scary. He's just being, He's just making stupid jokes because he's that sick and he's that demented and he's still going to do sick and twisted, demented things to you, just like this the lantern tends to do as well. So I just really enjoyed, uh, I I enjoyed the character. I enjoyed meeting Harry. I enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed the story a lot. And I think talking about it with you has made me even enjoy it even more. My score might have even been rising, you know, as we speak about it here, as is often the case uh, on these shows. One thing I really like about the show is it's one thing to read a comic and think something of yourself, but when you really talk it out for an hour, an hour and a half or so, you're really get to figure out how you feel about it uh, more so than you might if you just kind of read it and then moved on to something else.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, the nostalgia factor here really hits because it's not just one of my favorite ghostwriter stories. It's also one of the first comic books I started reading in current continuity when I started getting into Marvel. And for this, uh, you know, it's, it's a timeless story. As we go back and we look at many of the other comics that we've hit over the last 10 episodes uh, and some, like there's some stuff that are just not some are objectively good over time, and some just aren't, and it's just how they are. Uh, I read this when I was 12. I, I It has been 13 years since I has, have read this, so for me to read it now, 13 years later, and still be as excited over it as I was then... It's it's beautiful. And, you know, like, like, aren't you lucky? Because when I was 12 and 13,
2: I was reading Maximum Carnage. And as you know, when we went back and read that, that did not quite hold up in quite the same way.
1: That is some shit right there.
2: (laughs) I mean, mean, it helps that this is four issues. So even if it was, you know, anything that's four issues, it it has to be really, really bad to even offend me. You know, whereas Maximum Carnage could actually have been, you know, it, it might not have even been that bad on an individual level. But as 14 issues, it was atrocious. And
1: with a million writers.
2: Yeah, that's the, yeah, again, the million writers. You never want more, you never really never want more than one writer if you can help it, but two maximum. Once you get to about yeah. two, you're going to get problems.
1: Yeah, I mean, what, what I liked about this is that it's a. Uh, it's a story where a lot of stuff has gone on. Like, you don't know through here how Ghost Rider got into hell. That's a whole other series that came right before this, and it's very complicated. And then, you know, Civil War just happened, so it's got that Civil War tie in. You could not know any of those things, and just from the recaps and just from how the story is laid out with the dialogue and everything, you can never read another. Ghost Rider comic again and you know everything you need to know from this i'm a prime example of that because i knew really nothing so i mean i've read
2: civil war but i had no idea this was even coming off of that i had no idea where this even took place within any kind of ghostwriter or marvel continuity and i had no problem jumping right in i never felt like i was lost they gave me the little setup about the lucifer thing that was enough for me cool he's in jack-o'-lantern here's a story
1: i don't need more i'm good Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect example of something that rewards reoccurring and frequent fans and readers, as well as just being a good singular story for maybe one-off enthusiasts and stuff like that.
2: For sure. So, who's going to grade it first?
1: I will. I will go ahead. I, I want to see how I'm going to influence you on this one. I think the art is perfect for this tone. I don't think it would be good for anything outside of the horror genre. I think it is it, just standalone, and it really, it really makes you feel like this is. This is a horror comic, so I'm going to go ahead and give it a four. Also because I think it's one of my favorite renderings of Ghost Rider. I don't think many other artists have done him as well. I know that uh, Todd McFarlane did Ghost Rider a little bit, but really this is is probably my favorite version of Ghost Rider. I think all the characters were done well. I think Jack O'Lantern looks fantastic. It, you know, with with the spirit, with the spirit of Lucifer and stuff, I think jack-o'-lantern really stood out in this one. So I'm going to give it a four out of five, mainly because there there's some there there's some shading. There's some stuff there that's just maybe a little bit too, too. I won't call it lazily done, but you, there's a lot of dead space in it uh when you've got the characters and stuff there's a lot of dead space around them not much detail the characters themselves are drawn well and the shading and everything else makes it seem you know very much that horror tone but a little bit more detail would have been a little bit nicer so i don't feel like giving it a five i'll give it a four out of five and as for story uh you know as i mentioned earlier this is great for people that know what's going on and feel that that don't know what's going on i think the dialogue is smart and witty and the story while It might not be that original. What it does is it looks at all the classic horror. What we saw was we saw Slasher. We saw, um, you know, zombies. We saw, you know, people with their heads cut off. And what was also nice was that we got to see all of this and all of this world within the Marvel Universe really through the eyes of Harry mostly. Ghost Rider almost feels like he's the supporting character. So the fact that they were able to do that without watering down, you know, really the essence of it all, I think, you know, this is good. And to read it 13 years later and still be excited and still think that this is one of my favorite Halloween stories ever in comics, probably my number one, I'm giving it a four out of five. Uh, I just don't think it's the most perfect thing. I think there are some parts where, uh, you know, they were a bit too dialogue heavy, especially in the first issue. But overall, I think uh, four out of five for story that makes it uh, an eight out of 10. A B, I think eight out of 10 for Ghost Rider, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Illinois is going to be my final score.
2: I think that's a a fair score and we're not too far off. I also have the art at a four. I think, like you said, it was really, I really, really liked the art a lot, especially how uh, they were able to use, you know, I think, um, what was his name again? Saltaris? Saltaris? I'm not gonna
1: pronounce it and okay. butcher it again. I thought
2: the art was great. <laughs> and he was really able to, uh, you know, like you said, the facial expressions, whether it was on Harry, uh, whether it was on, you know, the, 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 the first girl who was, you know, really upset after the, after, uh, you know, she saw her boyfriend's uh, head get, get chopped off or what have you, uh, or whether, specifically, I think, like, all the different facial expressions with Jack-O-Lantern and uh, really making him into equal parts, not equal parts, uh, a scary, also somewhat comedic character uh, that's not only conveyed in the dialogue, it was also can fade in the art as well. Uh, like I said, it's, it's very specific art that I think just works right for this story. I don't think it, this would work on everything, uh, like you're saying. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not perfect. I think there's a few scenes where you know, we kind of had to imagine some things in our mind, uh, you know, when like when Ghost Rider gets all the pumpkins, we don't really like see how that happens. We just kind of see him lash out and we know he took out the pumpkins. There's not really all that much detail with some of those little some of those little events here and there. So it's not perfect, but four out of five, I think, is a perfectly fair, um, you know, fair score for fairly, 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 very, fairly, fairly. very merrily 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 very very good art um, and that, that really fit the story well and then I have the writing I, I'm going to just say that I think your nostalgia factor is probably just giving it that half a level bump yeah. otherwise we're pretty close because I have it at a 3.5 I think like I said it's very good it's really enjoyable um, I really like that this character of Harry they really quickly made him a character you care about which is really hard to do for a, a one-off human non-powered character in a story like this and I uh, really enjoyed the dialogue of, of uh, Jack-o'-lantern here of the the Lucifer o Lantern. I think Johnny Blaze, the Ghost writer, might be my, might be only my third favorite character in this story, uh, which is kind of funny. But um, you know, to me, this is a really enjoyable story. I really liked reading it. To me, it's it's kind of like I can't put it much above a three point five, which is still like a really good score. I, I think it's well above average writing. Um, but you know, to me, anything at the four or level above is something that. Uh, to me, I'm kind of trying to reserve that for the kind of stories that I, I I don't know if I can really see myself. I wouldn't be offended by going back and reading this. I'm sure I'd enjoy it again, but it's not the kind of story that I feel like I'll keep revisiting throughout my comic book. This
1: is like, this is like certain movies that you'll only watch a certain time of the year. If I read this story at any other time, other than maybe the month of October, it's almost like watching a Christmas movie in July. It's (laughs) just wrong.
2: That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So I,
1: and again, very good.
2: I'm not able to write, put it all the way up at a four, which is starting to get to like excellent slash even all time classic level when we get to the nine, the, you know, get to the four and a half level. So I'm not quite willing to put it there, but very, very enjoyable, really fun uh, and really enjoyed it. So I, I think a 3.5 for the writing. So my, my total score gives it a 7.5. Yeah. So 15, 15,
1: and a half out of 20. It's a good story. I think y'all should read it. I recommend reading it, especially if you
2: have the Marvel Unlimited app and it's really easy to, uh, you know, just immediately, you know, just immediately open that puppy up and, and check out a good story. And Absolutely. I, and it flies too. I mean, I read this in, in one sitting. This is not this is in no way a slog to read.
1: I think four issues for most story arcs is like the perfect number
2: it really is the peak. I think some of the stories that have been easiest to read have been four issues. I think help the, uh, the last uh, episode we did on uh, looking at Hellboy Seed of destruction Four issues again. Uh, it's going to be hard to get too bored unless the writing is just really bad in a four issue series where uh, you know, maximum carnage, even um, you know, even uh, nightfall, the you know, Nightfall was very good. Uh, but it, it's, it's a slog to get through. Does it There's need a, like t- eight issues? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot there. I mean, it's more. Than, I think. I think Nightfall was like fourteen. The the section of it that we write anyway, because Nightfall itself is actually even longer. So, oh yeah, we only like covered the first is, volume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We only covered really. That's actually half the trade paperback uh, when when Band breaks his back. So I mean, and, and the the best part of that is that first half. So yeah. I mean, in real life. When when these comics come out, you're reading them month to month to month. So that's I think reading them in this way is, is a you know something very different. Uh, it's a different way to look at things. You know when 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 a lot of this stuff was coming out, when Nightfall was first coming out, and I was first reading it, I was reading it month to month to month to month. So that never really felt like a slog. Uh, whereas sitting and reading it, even though I really love the story. At some point, it's just like, all right, I've seen enough Batman getting tired here. But when something is four issues, if it's a good story, it's going to be hard to, you know, it's hard for me to get too bored from a four issue series unless it's really, 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 really bad.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I I feel if this one, what's great about it is uh, I, I feel like for a lot of Ghostwriter comics, whether you're dealing with Robbie, Danny or Johnny. There's just too, there's a lot of baggage you have to understand. Like, well, my favorite storylines from Ghost Rider is uh, Rise of the Midnight Suns. That was a a big multi title crossover event. Uh, it's a, I think it's probably my favorite Ghost Rider story of all time. I would not recommend that to people that don't know Ghost Rider though. There's just too much there that you have to understand beforehand. That if you read it cold, you would not enjoy it.
2: I don't know if that's true. I mean, I, 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 I'm familiar with Ghost Rider, but I can't say I know a lot about Ghost Rider. Like, I basically know his origin story and know he's a, a devil on a bike. And I found no problem jumping into the story and, and kind of enjoying it, even
1: without having a, a particular. Oh, I'm, 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 talking, I'm talking about Midnight Suns. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, on. no, yeah, no. Midnight Suns, I think, is Rise of the Midnight Suns, I think, is the best Ghost Rider story ever. But I would not recommend that to people that don't know Ghost Rider. Whereas this one, this one you could read it cold, like you did, and you know everything you need to know. So should I read Midnight Suns? Then
2: that's the question.
1: Where do you where do you categorize me on that one? I I, I would that long pause. It gives no, me, it gives me I, me it. I I mean I I feel like it insults the comic in a way if I said no. I don't think you should. But at the same time, it's like that ser- that storyline was really meant for people who are diehard Ghostwriter Rider fans, All right, and. Yeah, I mean if if you wanna go back and read like Ghost Rider Volume One with Danny Ketch uh, from ninety-two and read everything leading up to Rise of the Midnight Suns, yeah. But you're talking like thirty issues at that point. And you also need to get caught up on Morbius. Yeah, I'm not ready up. for thirty issues. Yeah, you gotta get ready you gotta get caught up on Blade. You gotta understand what happened to Johnny Blaze all those years leading up to when he meets his half brother, and then you gotta figure out how they became half brothers. There's a lot of shit there. That would just make it not fun for you because you'd have to be googling it like all day, or go back and actually do the hard work of reading it all.
2: Maybe I'll just stick to the Nicolas Cage movies. Maybe I'll try to track down that sequel that
1: I never. <laughs> I, I think the sequel is good. Uh, Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. I think it's on Amazon. You should check it out.
2: All right. Well, I'm going to put it on the list. You know me. If it's free, I'll watch it or read it anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so at you, Jonathan Hickman, keep
1: a <laughs> <the> flowchart. <laughs> Give me your flowcharts. Um, blueprints. Show me where everyone lives. (laughs) Why are they living together? Uh, The the whole whole, rooms next to each other. That whole thing is just so wrong. Anyway, Mark, you want to close this out? Uh, yeah, I'd love to close you out
2: by reminding you to follow us on social medias, all the social medias, the Twitters, the F- Instas, the, the Facebooks, but uh, we are at Second Print Pod, both on Instagram and Twitter, and of course, our Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod Get you some bonus rants. we get your early releases of episode uh, episodes. We're going to have more and more bonus content as we grow the show and as we get more and more patrons as well. Also do uh, monthly uh, little live streams, monthly little Zoom calls there uh, with our, uh, what is it, Journey to Mystery. There we go. Journey to Mystery level and above. That's just 15 bucks a month or above. and You get to hop on a monthly Zoom call with Remzo and myself and some other fans of the show. We chat about comics, we chat about the show, we chat about movies, we chat about whatever the heck comes up. So we have a really fun time with that. Uh, and of course, every level gets you something awesome. At the Epic Crossover level, you get a uh, hand-selected mystery hardcover graphic novel every three months. And uh, at the Kirby level, the Kirby Club, we don't have a Kirby Club member yet, so you could be the first. That is when you get in, in line to become a producer of the show. You actually get to give Remzo and myself um, uh, something to read, and uh, you know, once we get a few of those producers, they'll be rotating in once a month, uh, you know, to sort of uh, take the reins away from us on the, when on the producing side uh, once a month, and uh, you know, send us down a journey of their own. So, looking forward to that. I know we're going to get some soon. I know someone listening right now is thinking, "Man, just, a, just, I'm at the epic." Could it be now. me? I just got to double my pledge, and I can do this. I know you're out there, folks. I know you're out there listening, waiting, waiting to pounce. So. Anyway, Patreon.com slash SecondPrintPod. Besides that, I don't have too much else to say except to encourage people to continue to read comics and, and, and...
1: I changed it. Good night, America. Good night, America. <laughs> it was just so good. I'm just kind of, like, <laughs> captivated by like I imagine, like, you know, explosions and eagles in the background. Good night, good night America. <laughs> <That's> exploding pumpkin.
0: <laughs> awesome.